By the way, nice trucks. You think I could hop into one of them and drive it away? I'd love to know. just drive the hell out of here. Just get the hell out of this. I had such a good life. My life was great. And then I said, let's do this, darling. This will be a lot of fun. But you know what? I'm so happy with it because nobody has ever done so much. Do you know what? Running against the worst candidate in the history of presidential politics puts pressure on me. Could you imagine if I lose my whole life? What am I going to do? I'm going to say, I lost to the worst candidate in the history of politics. I'm not going to feel so good. Maybe I'll have to leave the country. The media said, what? <laughs> the media said, Joe Biden's president. Ha, 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 Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is Abby Martin. This is Robbie. Wow. What a <laughs> what a doozy. I know we overuse that doozy. word on this podcast, but <laughs> look, it took this is the longest election I can ever remember happening. This really? Slow mo Yeah. What's the when have you when do you remember a longer election? Two thousand, baby. Yeah, but they elected Gore. He was president elect that night. The, yeah, he only but then c- it immediately just started dragging on. I mean, just in terms of the 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 nobody being president elect the night of the election, this is like totally unheard of. So uh, that was just weird in general. I mean, how protracted, how we didn't get the emotional pop like we that we needed. You know, I mean, even just from an entertainment perspective, we didn't get that pop on election night. Hmm. Yeah, it was it was pretty ridiculous. It was pretty ridiculous. Um, very drawn out, very drawn out. But as we'll get into, I mean, this was a deliberate thing because of the unprecedented amount of mail-in ballots because of the pandemic. Drew everything out to such an extreme degree. And then because of GOP voter suppression, all of these states like couldn't count in advance. So there's just so many glaring anomalies with how fucked up our election system is compared to other countries that I think yeah. people around the world, especially were like, why is America so fucked up? Why is this happening? Yeah. You know, I'm surprised. Well, from a ratings generating perspective, I wonder if the media was thinking that they should have reminded people like, did they have a boardroom meeting like a couple of days before election night and say like, you know, this is going to happen. It's going to take longer but should we just not remind the audience that this is not going to take longer so they just stay on the edge of their seat for like three or four days straight? That's what I was saying. I was like, why is the media, <laughs> why didn't the media lay this out more clearly? I think like, that might be why. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I yeah. For like the, the next three days, they're like, oh shit, we have everyone's eyeballs. Yeah. 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 Pretending like at any moment this will be called. Of but course. I really do blame them in part for legitimizing these absurd claims of election fraud and voter fraud because they oh, did yeah. not articulate the mail-in ballot system and how 
the path to victory for Biden was clearly laid out after election night? Because I think we all went to bed thinking Trump had won. Yeah, I mean, I went, I'm trying to remember, I went to bed at like eight, like nine o'clock that night. <laughs> I, I definitely had too much to drink that night. And uh, mm-hmm. I just, I passed out hella early. Blame so um, I did think that Trump was probably going to win. But I also, they were starting to say it's not going to be called tonight. Like they were already mm-hmm. starting to act like it was going to be drawn out. So I just sort of lost, I just unplugged. Um, but for the next few days, I was definitely just like sort of stressed out. I felt antsy. I couldn't like relax. I just had to keep checking results. Um, and then just magically, you know, turn on TV on Saturday morning and uh, there were the results. So, yeah. And can we discuss really quickly how we were calling, not necessarily that this would happen. I know that we talked about the possibility of this happening with the red mirage and all that, but can we talk about how close Trump was? And still is. I mean, with the courts being stacked, I don't know the possibility of like this actually going to the Supreme Court because there's so many states that he would have to overturn the results in. But just how close he really was to winning despite a pandemic and an economic recession. And all of these people had this absurd pipe dream once again, just like in 2016, that there would be a blowout that that he would flip Texas and Florida. Like I literally, all these electoral map predictions from all these pundits, uh, the Nate Silvers of the world, just saying like, this is just a hundred percent in the bag for Biden. And I feel like we were among the few that before the election, we were like, Trump really could win this. All of these trends are very concerning in battleground states. National polls don't really mean anything. So just once again, like this, redux of 2016 that we nearly had where people were just going to be blindsided with another Trump victory. You know, cause, I mean, Trump didn't win by that much. I mean, yeah, he did. You know, they called it, of course, on, on election night and John Podesta was rolled out. Hillary Clinton didn't even come out and, and actually give a speech that night. But yeah, I mean, Trump won by like very few votes in these swing states back then. So the same thing really was close to happening. Yeah, I mean, embar- totally embarrassing predictions, honestly, on both sides. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the, right. uh, you were just playing that Tim clip, uh, pool clip for me before we started. I don't know if you want to insert this here for people to hear how how sure he was of his predictions. Um, mm-hmm. But definitely like Nate Silver level embarrassing. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Trump had a 49 state landslide. I think we could see a 49 state landslide. We may be looking at a Mondale Reagan type scenario where Trump landslides 49 states. And like we were saying last time um, we did our 10th anniversary episode, which everyone should go back and watch, 10 years of Media Roots Radio, uh, we were talking about just how we were really concerned. Not that, and just so people don't get the wrong idea, we are not for Biden at all. We didn't vote for him, but we absolutely loathe Trump and are glad to see him the fuck out of there. Um, he's dangerous in his own right. Biden is very dangerous in different ways and some of the same ways. But it's obvious that no one was enthusiastic for Biden whatsoever. The only people that acted enthusiastic were like people on the news or in the, this bubble of politics in Washington, D.C., these pundit, this punditry class. And it, we we were just like, well, if there's no enthusiasm for Biden and there's so much for Trump, then Trump really still has a really big shot at this. Like, nobody should underestimate that. Um, and I'm actually, I'm, I'm pretty shocked 
uh, at what the result was. I mean, just based mm-hmm. on that enthusiasm gap. But I think that the enthusiasm against Trump um, was pretty at an all time high, too. I've never seen this much hatred ever um, for a president. I mean, he's more hated than Hillary Clinton uh, or, you know, even Barack yeah. Obama oh, was yeah. uh, or, or even Bush was any president before him. I mean, so, you know, maybe I underestimated that anti-enthusiasm, you know, for him. So um, I guess I'm just a little I'm still reeling from shock that Biden seems like he's the winner here, save some very off chance of overturning several states, like you said. Uh, I'm I'm reeling from shock a little bit. I honestly am. I mean, yeah, you're I'm right. not this happy. Was an election, right? No, of course not. I mean, now we're, you know, we had one day of kind of slight relief and now it's back to the drawing board. Like we have to get back in the fight immediately because Biden is such a reprehensible figure and has 47 years to prove how awful he is and will be. Uh, So yeah, there is no resting and it is pretty shocking actually that he won. This was an election with enthusiasm for Trump versus enthusiasm against Trump. There was no enthusiasm for Biden at all, like you just said. And the only reason that he was even within striking distance was because of the pandemic. And I think that we could all agree that he would have lost in a profound way if COVID weren't a factor. And people who are acting like this is some mandate and that Biden like trounced, you know, the Bernie wing and he ran on this repudiation of the Bernie wing and how like this shows that he needs to run as a moderate and a centrist and how this is like some huge victory. Seven million more people came out in 2020 to vote for Trump than they did in 2016. Seven million more People, I think that people really need to wrap their minds around how many more people that is that came out to support Trump's four years that we saw. So, yeah, this was a record turnout. You know, Biden actually shockingly won 12 million more votes than Obama's record, which is pretty stunning, you know, considering like how 50 percent of this country like doesn't engage in the voting system and stuff. So that many more people hated Trump, which is really amazing. But. Yeah, the fact that he barely won, the fact that you look at the down-ballot races, Robbie, and this is like a really glaring example of how much of a rejection the centrism and neoliberalism is, is that the down-ballot races actually were much more in favor for Republicans. Yeah. So Biden won. You know, he eked his way over the victory line, but like all of the Democrats lost all the other seats. Um, and mm-hmm. it, which is so funny. Cause like the fact that you would come out and actually vote for Biden and then like not even bother voting down ballot, which is what their whole like claim, you know, if we can get out the people to the polls, then obviously they're just going to vote Democrat down ballot. And that's not what happened at all. That's not what happened at all. And I think it really shows you the abysmal failure and rejection in mass of this kind of ideology. And unfortunately Biden's just going to run on this fucking mandate anyway. Yeah, I mean, there's you mentioned so many things I want to comment on. I mean, the idea that this, you know, the saying that Biden needs to now run against the left and stand up for centrism because this is like a referendum against the left or whatever. I mean, anybody who's saying that, that's a full on weaponized attack against the left. They know what they're doing. They don't really they know, actually, that leftism is threatening and they want to fight to maintain the status quo. That's really all that is. Um and then this idea that, God, you mentioned something about, 
Oh yeah, that the that basically if COVID didn't happen, Biden would have probably lost. And that, of course, is like part of the whole sort of conspiracy paradigm that a lot of the Trump voters are looking to this in. I mean, I even see regular Trump supporters or even just right-leaning people saying like, well, now that Biden won, COVID's gone, right? Like the media's not going to talk <laughs> about COVID anymore because they believe it's all been used as a political weapon against Trump. Like that's how they're seeing it, which is really fascinating. I even saw Dave Rubin say that. He oh, was oh, like, yeah. now can we, now can we just agree that the pandemic isn't a thing? And it's like, T- what? Dude, they're full. They're almost like full-blown QAnoners at that point, in my opinion, without even maybe even realizing they are. Just really briefly about the Electoral College, because this fits into the Senate races, too, and how like disproportionate, you know, our votes are compared to someone like in Wyoming. This is all like a remnant of slavery, the Electoral College and just the way that our votes are proportionate among the entire country. And that is apparent in the Senate, where a voter in Wyoming enjoys 70 times as much influence as one in California does. Um, And when I talk about the electoral college as a remnant of slavery, it literally is a direct line from the slave owning states where they wanted more power because they had so many slaves in the states that they knew couldn't have a direct democratic vote, one person, one vote because the slaves didn't have rights. Mm -hmm. And so they, they basically negotiated this weird electoral college system where they could like speak on behalf of the slaves (laughs) without giving them rights. Um, And that's exactly why we still have this bizarre antiquated system in place. And I think that we can all agree without the electoral college, Republicans would never win nationally, like as a, as president. And that's why they are firmly holding on to this. But we obviously need to get rid of like how all of these representations play out because the fact that we have so little rights comparatively to like other Southern states is just absolutely batshit crazy. It is absolutely crazy. Um, And I just remembered what I was going to say about Trump and COVID. I mean, I think a lot of conservatives have gotten it into their mind that Trump has some kind of ideological reason for not wanting lockdowns and for not, you know, putting a mask on that Trump, you know, if he had handled the pandemic more seriously, he could have said it, told his supporters to do anything and they would have done it, you know, take it more seriously. Instead, he did the exact opposite. And he, and he basically leaned into all this chaos uh, the entire time. So he could have handled it much better. Um, and he just chose not to. So ultimately, that's still his own fault as well. He, he was on tape saying that he was really, really afraid of it. I think right. that's like all the evidence you need that his performance wasn't real. He was actually putting people's lives in danger. If he thought it was dangerous and he was scared of it, he was willingly putting people's lives in danger on a daily basis. That's what's so strange about it. It's not even that he was like that he really believed that the virus wasn't dangerous. I mean, that would be one thing that would be more acceptable to me, like if he really actually believed it. It is beyond understanding uh, how Trump dealt with this whole COVID disaster. And fortunately, it bit him in the ass and actually cost him the election. Um, Back to election night, you know, like we were saying, the media did a grave disservice here by not really clearly explaining how this was going to play out. Bernie Sanders actually was trying to like 
hold these press conferences weeks in advance, basically laying out what would happen and what ultimately did happen, which is several states that were deliberately blocked by the GOP and Trump's campaign was involved in litigation against for widespread voter suppression across the board, you know, blocking absentee ballots, blocking like boxes from drop off boxes, like all the shit, like you can name a million things that they tried to do to suppress the vote. But and Trump just constantly saying that mail in oh, yeah. ballots were going to be fraudulent, like yeah. basically trying to dissuade any of his own supporters from voting. We, we can't forget to mention that. Yeah, of course, he was sowing sowing distrust in mail-in ballots since he literally got elected the first time, like was part of this whole like voter fraud conspiracy that he claimed millions of ballots were created, you know, immigrants voted illegally. He brought up that map. He's been talking about for four years. He, one of his first press conferences, if you go all the way back to before um, inauguration day was, or maybe it was right after, was about how he actually won the popular vote and how he won way more votes than what it showed because a bunch of illegals voted and there was like mass mm-hmm. voter fraud. Yeah, and he had that he had the map up like in his office, like yep. almost his entire presidency when people would come in and reporters, he would just constantly point to the map and talk about the voter fraud thing, um, yep. how he would have won way more if it weren't for voter fraud. So, you know, these key swing states like Michigan, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania were literally blocked from counting the mail-in ballots until election day, and they had to count the votes that were in person first. But the pundits and shit that I was watching, like I was flipping between CNN, Fox, and MSNBC, and of course no one was talking about this red mirage. And if they were, it was not nearly enough to say, hey, I know it looks like Trump is winning, but this is a mirage because these key states that were blocked by GOP lawsuits cannot count votes until tonight that were mail-in ballots. And we know that there was a record amount, like tens of millions, over 50% of the people who voted in 2016 voted in advance. More than that, voted in advance via mail-in and absentee ballots before the election. And the vast majority of those were Biden supporters. We already knew that, like going into the election, we knew that that was happening. So it's just so weird. It's like you literally bolstered Trump's absurd claims and added legitimacy to them. And I'll never forget how ominous that was the night that I thought Trump won. And I was like calling it like on all these interviews and stuff. I did like 10 hours of anchoring for you weren't the only one. So don't feel bad about that. Yeah. I mean, even yeah, Chapo it called it for Trump, too. They went wow. When they went on office hours right after, they were like, yeah, oh, good, not looking good. 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 Oh, look, good, yeah. good, 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 yeah. good. Yeah, but like the how ominous was it when Trump said the Supreme Court needs to stop all vote counting? Like at, oh. when he came out and pre- preemptively declared victory. Well, it, it was ominous, Abby, his words, but I watched the entire video appearance of him. And it, honestly, my gut feeling when I saw that video is Trump is hurt. He's a wounded animal. Like, I haven't seen him this... His energy was really different to me. I mean, those COVID videos... Like, coming off the back of those steroid uh, COVID mm-hmm. videos where he just, like... I'm fi- Like, even though he seemed like he was struggling to breathe a little bit, he was still... He seemed, like, really on it. I mean, like, his energy was back. His confidence was back. I mean, those videos of him dancing like a fool, you know, that got released before the right before Election Day... So when I saw that video, I was like, oh, my God, he is fucking hurting. I, that was just my impression of what. Are of, you sure it wasn't just him crashing because he didn't have steroids? Well, it could be both. If that's yeah. the case, then it's still bad for him because like we'll talk about in a little bit, he needs to basically bring that energy back. 
but you felt that it was an ominous sign that he had already mentioned the Supreme Court like that day. Yeah. And it was just weird that just that screen cap where he said the Supreme Court needs to stop vote counting, like just that phrase, stop counting the votes. Yes. You know, and then we know that subsequent days he was tweeting all of this absurd, contradictory rhetoric, stop the count, keep, you know, count the votes when it comes to Arizona because it was benefiting him. You saw that the weird video of these Trump zombie sycophants like chanting, stop the count. It's amazing. At a poll center. Oh, it's just like, absolutely how surreal amazing. is that, you know? Oh, it was very surreal. And I mean, it's basically the same thing that happened in 2000. They just did it this like pretty much on election night. Um, that was unprecedented because if you go back to 2000, Roger Stone actually takes credits for this. The Brooks Brothers riots, which were yelling the same thing to stop the, the Florida recount. Um, so... I mean, I, when I saw that, I was like, damn, they really kicked this. They, they had this all set up to go right away. But then I started to see, you know, something's not something's mixed about the messaging. There aren't. Let's just say I felt that there weren't any very coherent, uh, effectively weaponized talking points that night because stop the count seemed obviously like a dumb, bad talking because like, why would you want to stop counting votes? <laughs> like that didn't seem like it was going to catch to me. So I was like, something's wrong here, meaning their messaging is not very strong. Mm-hmm. And that told me immediately that, I mean, I thought at that moment that Trump probably didn't even factor in a loss. Hillary style, the hubris that was on Hillary's side in 2016, when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, maybe that hubris caught Trump. And he he's, he's literally scrambling in real time to come up with these little like stunts or his people are because they didn't even necessarily factor in a loss. So... I mean, it was surreal. It was scary to see that. But then at the same time, I was like, something is sloppy about this. I kind of disagree in the sense that I think that he knew. I mean, he was factoring in the mail-in ballots, potentially putting him over the edge. I think that, yes, in the sense he was thinking that he would trounce Biden and his hubris was at really dangerously high levels. But he did sow the seeds for this exact scenario to play out because that's why he was like, um, undermining mail-in ballots for so long, like, True. you know, making it more difficult for people to mail yeah. post office stuff. I mean, you saw like, like for example, 150,000 ballots in Georgia were thrown in the dumpster. And this was like predominantly from Atlanta, which would have, we saw how close Georgia is. It's going to actually go down to a recount because, because it's below 0.5%, but 150,000 ballots were thrown in the trash because they took three days to get to the registrar, like the polling center location when it should have taken one day because of how slow down all of the shit was. So like that kind of deliberate sabotage, I think was in part because they were trying to just like hedge all their bets, you know? And then of course, like talking constantly about how mail-in ballots were fraudulent and illegal. Yeah, I mean, he knew that the pandemic was a factor in a lot of people mailing in advance and also like pro-Biden people mailing in advance. And that's why he told his supporters over and over again, you have to vote in person. So, yeah, but it did seem like he was just flailing. Don't you think that might have also sabotaged him in the end, though? Like, yeah, that's what's so strange about it. And it makes me wonder, you know, this may seem like a really Machiavellian weird thing to do. But like, what if he was trying to figure out a way to sabotage it himself to lose? Like, Mm -hmm. so that he could exit gracefully. I know that sounds giving him way too much credit, but like, there had to have been advisors of his who were, who were like, sir, you don't want to dissuade people to mail-in ballot vote this to this extent. Like, there had to have been people 
who are trying to, because some Republicans, you have to wonder what the cult-like nature of what's going on. There's a Republican party and there's all these Republican strategists, like there's Rutgers University, there's like the Charlie Kirk, there's the Candace Owens. But who, like at one, at one point, is this just Trump's own messaging that he's like pushing out there about mail-in ballots and how much of it was actually the Republican party's, the RNC's messaging? You know, yeah, and I how wonder. much of the Republicans just echoing what Trump says? Exactly. I don't know. It's hard to know now because they're all just saying the same thing because of what Trump has done. And I don't know. It's like what came first. But all I know is like watching yeah. CNN, you have someone like Rick Santorum just agreeing with all of Trump's illegitimate claims about voter fraud. Rick Santorum brought his 20 week old miscarriage home to cuddle with his other kids um, and say goodbye to it. The fact that he's on CNN and they constantly are pandering like to his point of view, you know, being like, Rick, what do you think? It's like, why is Rick Santorum a panelist on CNN? And all he did was just agree with Trump. So it just like even CNN watchers are just like, oh, like maybe there is something to Trump's claims because there's this prominent Republican agreeing with him. So I don't know. I was predominantly watching CNN, but it's just like I don't know who was saying what and if they were just trying to, again, like kiss Trump's ass. Talk about what happened at Fox News, though, like because okay. you were probably watching Fox more than I was and I how was. angry Trump was there. And you even saw like people protesting, saying, fuck Fox. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, stop Fox. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. the, I was watching the Rick Santorum panel, too, the day that Trump came out. So we should mention this right now is that Trump was uncharacteristically silent that day. Mm. So he did that little appearance that you're talking about where he said, we're going to take it to the Supreme Court. As far as I'm concerned, I won already. But then he just sort of disappeared. And apparently, um, you know, and, and he fired off some tweets saying, stop the count in all caps. And when I saw those tweets, I was thinking, you know, I don't, I'm getting the sense that he's not sure what to do at the very least. Like he's, he's just, he doesn't know what to do right now. And the next day he comes out and does this press conference at like 6 p.m. Eastern time uh, where he's he just walks out there uh, very, very energy, low energy. I mean, I would say at this point, almost Jeb energy levels, please clap territory. And he goes up to the podium and starts to very casually and slowly and sort of meanderingly read a bunch of just really weak talking points that we'd already heard from generic conservative media about the different examples of what he thought were voter fraud. He's reading these points off of a little piece of paper at the podium, and he just looked super, super deflated and emotionally beaten down, no energy. And, and even his body language when he walked out of the room, didn't look at anybody, walked out of the room almost like a sullen child. Uh, it was almost like a cartoon. And when it, when it cut back to CNN... You know, of course, Anderson Cooper called him an obese turtle flailing on his back. I don't know why he had to, why he had to talk about his weight, which is sort of weird. And then Jake Tapper said it was a pathetic display. But then they started to sort of amp up this talk. Well, that was what we just saw was really, really dangerous. It was super dangerous what he's doing. That was a disgrace. That was a disgrace. And then they turned to Rick Santorum to try to get him to go along with it. And at that point in time, I think, because Rick Santorum doesn't have like a fiber optic cable going into him from the Republican Party's messaging machine, he started to go along with CNN panel and be like, yeah, I agree, that was dangerous. <laughs> but he like agreed with the CNN panel then, and I was like, oh my God, they are not, th so the messaging is already mixed. Like we're yep. getting, so R Rick Santorum didn't know quite what to say right after he watched that speech. 
Other Republicans already started to break ranks a little bit after that speech. Um, at that point, Trump's children were screaming on Twitter, where are you, Republican Party? Your silence is deafening. Like, this is, this is the moment where you need to come out. So there was all this fear among Team Trump's most like hardcore surrogates that the Republicans had already abandoned them. Mm-hmm. So I started seeing all that signaling coming out. And I was like, oh, my God, that's crazy. And as you mentioned, people started to already be throwing a bunch of venom at Fox News, not just because they eventually called it for Biden on Saturday, five days later, because they also called it for Arizona before even MSNBC did. Mm -hmm. They had on Mm -hmm. the night of the election, 264 for Biden. And that's six away from 270. Mm -hmm. And MSNBC and the other networks still had it at like 250. CNN and MSNBC had it down at like 250 so imagine the outrage you would feel if you're like a hardcore MAGA watching Fox, already knowing that, you know, Fox sometimes bashes Trump and watching that play out in real time. It must have been so enraging uh, for those kinds of people because that they, I mean, imagine that their their favorite network is basically abandoning them. And uh, yeah, it's it's a it's it feels like a huge betrayal. Yeah, and apparently Trump was so personally outraged that he actually had someone call the Fox News desk yep. to try to change the call and say Arizona was not actually one for Joe Biden yet. And it didn't work. And apparently Rupert Murdoch was on the phone with whoever he sicked on Rupert Murdoch to demand they change out. Murdoch refused. And it's just funny to see people like Laura Ingram, you know, seeing what she was saying. She she was almost acting like she was speaking to Trump like he was a child. Absolutely, being like, dude. Being like, you know, people are going to respect you if you just like leave with your, your head held high and you still have like so many people. You were a hero to so many people. And it's like you need to accept the results gracefully. It was just like all of these people just like knowing that Trump was watching and trying to speak to him. Agreed. That's what's so <laughs> fascinating about Fox News. You know, everyone, even mom makes fun of me sometimes still. She's like, why do you watch so much Fox? It's like, dude, you don't get the crazy layers of like human mm-hmm. psychology that you do when you're watching Fox. Watching, I watched that too. I got the exact same sense you did that when I was watching Laura Ingram. She was talking about how much of a fighter Trump was, too. Mm -hmm. Like, she was Mm -hmm. doing both. She was placating both parts. Like, it's okay, Mr. Trump. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, they're directly talking to the president. Yep. Yep. This is what it is. I mean, it's so surreal. She's she's basically giving Trump the out, the graceful exit, but then also saying, remember, you were a fighter. That's why people loved you. Like, also, like, kind of implying that he's not fighting. And I found that interesting that Fox, you could see the deflation. I mean, Sean Hannity that night was insane. Like he seemed like he was on the verge of not even necessarily tears, but like almost like a panic attack. I've never (laughs) seen his demeanor like this before. And I think part of a big reason why is because Trump left them hanging out to dry. Where was their strongest fighter? Where is the strong dude? He's gone. Trump gave, I don't know if this is the speech you're talking about, where he was super low energy reading from a piece of paper. Yes, I think it, it is. is. Yeah. But I wrote it's the down only some speech notes. he gave. Right. Yeah. I wrote down some notes from it just because it was just so full of nonsense. You know, I mean, he said the fake polls showed this blue wave, but when you count the legal votes I win versus illegal votes, Biden wins. So he's basically saying every single vote that's a mail-in vote is illegal. 
It's just like a child, you know, he's just yeah. like a pathologically lying little child. And um, he said that they're going to try to steal it with late votes. Uh, like, again, like Trump voted by mail. Trump and his family voted by mail uh-huh. in Florida. And they like bragged about it. Um, he kept saying like they're going to find the votes, like as if there's some nationwide conspiracy with all of these different polling centers across the country that there's hundreds of people involved to create out of thin air millions and millions Millions and millions, millions of mail-in votes that were for Biden. Like, just create them out of thin air. That's what the conspiracy is. You know, yeah. it's completely different from Florida. Florida was actually a conspiracy. There was oh, it was a razor-thin razor yeah. margin, It was like dude. 500 Ooh. votes, dude. Yeah, no, and it, it was, was like the hanging chads. You had the Bush cronies that were in office. Yeah. Um, all of that shit, you know? Um, so yeah, this is totally different. This is like five different states that they would need to create millions of ballots out of thin air. It's just like makes no sense. And Trump, again, like the legal versus illegal thing is just so nonsensical. And he's basically saying that no ballots coming in after election day should be counted. And he even is like having the Supreme court of, of Pennsylvania try to segregate all of the ballots that came in after election day. So I just got the sense from that speech that he was a, a huge baby. Nothing he said make, made sense at all. Yep. And I was just like, how could anyone believe this shit? It's like, this is really like his end game here. Yeah. Well, that's like you said, that is his end game, I think, was improvising and trying to mm-hmm. throw whatever against the wall that sticks. I mean, that's how unprepared I think they were at least acted over this loss. I don't know if they were factoring in that heavily. Maybe they were. But this, to me, shows that they have no plan. And Trump's key messaging change, you saw the messaging change right in that speech. You just mentioned it. Legal votes. That is new language that the Republicans, maybe they already had it in the ba- their back pocket. That is new language I have not heard before. And it was just, that's the messaging shift. Now they could create this sort of umbrella thing. Instead of saying there was fraud, instead of using words like that, they could say, what, you don't want every legal vote counted? Mm-hmm. Like, so instead of saying stop the count, which is obviously like a really amateur, dumb talking point, now that's their talking point framing, legal versus illegal votes. Now, like you said, they're going to have to overturn several states, statistically speaking, unless there was massive orchestrated fraud in several states that were for, all for Biden, unless that happened, Statistically speaking, it just doesn't make any sense why a recount in several of those states would somehow automatically go to Trump unless they can figure out the legal levers and weird loopholes to somehow discount every mail-in ballot. No, there's no way they can do it. There's no way they can do it. And even though he stacked all these courts, the court isn't going to take the political risk exactly. to delegitimize themselves and be seen as a purely political tool for the GOP because at this point, the GOP wants to discard Trump. He was a perfect vehicle to push through this rabid uh, religious fundamentalist agenda and all the GOP shit that they wanted to do that they couldn't do before. That was perfect. And now they just have no use for him right now because he's too he's too much of a political liability. Yeah. He's like like what would Sarah Palin first describe Trump as a golden wrecking ball? He started that way. This shiny new gold wrecking ball that just came in and wrecked the fucking house the fuck up. And now it's like covered in feces and like moldy with like flies mm-hmm. flying all around it. I mean, that's yeah, what, exactly. So they don't want that rocking ball anymore. It's not gold anymore. It yeah, was. And also it would, it would, it would, it would make their um, down ballot victories like 
illegitimate also, you know, like the Senate um, is now stacked with Republicans that if the Georgia recount goes poorly, which I imagine it will, and if, even if it does well, it's still going to be just an equal amount of Democrats and Republicans. So the Republicans did amazingly down ballot. And if Trump somehow like rescinds all of the results, like they're going to suffer. That's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yes. I mean, obviously he's probably not going to, he's probably going to try to ignore and the messaging is going to try to ignore as much as possible anything that's not the presidential election in terms of fraud. Mm-hmm. They're going to try mm-hmm. to shield that as much. They're going to basically try to build a thousand foot wall between those two issues. They know that that's a, a, a weak Achilles heel on their argument. Mm-hmm. So they have to pretend that's not even factored in at all. Like, don't think about that at all right now. Another funny thing, because I wanted to mention, you mentioned earlier that Laura Ingram was like talking to Trump and sort of trying to placate both sides of his potential choices here. Like you can gracefully exit, you, you, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you're a hero. You're a fighter. That's what people loved about you. I find a funny childlike thing happening on Fox News right now where it's almost like because Murdoch's already put the hammer down on Trump. He already decided not to flip the call on Arizona. New York Post already ran an extremely embarrassing headline where, where it said, you're fired, where Trump's walking away with his tile messed up from the helicopter. Mm-hmm. Extremely embarrassing. But Fox News knows now they have to walk a fine line, too, because they can't just shit all over Trump's audience and be like, no, he lost, move on, concede peacefully, be a grown-up. They can't do that 100% because the Republicans are still pushing the voter fraud thing. So now they need to walk a fine line. And what's interesting, Abby, is I already see them sort of placating this like idea that Trump has a future in politics. Like, no, 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 Trump's going to be the kingmaker in, in, uh, in moving forward for the Republican Party. He's the new kingmaker in the Republican Party. And it's like, are you fucking serious? Like the, the idea that they're trying to put that in his head is hilarious to me because like you said, the Republican Party probably wants to kick him to the curb as soon as they possibly can. As soon as they can rid themselves of him, they will... So the idea that Trump has a future in the Republican Party as like a kingmaker who's going to like, you know, campaign for people and even possibly run again in 2024 is hilarious to me. Of course, Fox News doesn't believe that shit. You think Fox News is going to let him be a Republican influencer in 2024? Absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, the only option is that Trump somehow starts that Trump TV like he wanted to. That's why he ran in the first place. It was all publicity stuff yeah. so he could like get his own network or whatever. And the only possibility is him actually bringing his cult base and running on the idea, like literally campaigning the next four years on the idea that this was a rigged election and was stolen from him. Yeah, and the deep state and stole then, it. Yeah, and somehow <laughs> like still still having some sort of momentum to run again. But what might be even funnier, Robbie, is if like Don Jr. and Ivanka really try to get involved in politics because they're going to fucking fail harder than Jeb, dude. Oh my God. I can't wait for Don Jr. That's the thing. Their ride is just completely over. They fucked up. I mean, it's so funny. (laughs) Um, But like, let's go back to just how this sort of rolled out. Cause you know, it started on Tuesday yeah. And Trump made that statement on Wednesday, I want to say. He, he came up to the podium and read that half-hearted, borderline coherent statement um, from a piece of paper. So Thursday and Friday rolled on um, with zero you know, conclusion. They still, it wasn't even that they like were trickling in different electoral votes. It was like at the exact same state that it was on, in on Tuesday night. Still at 264 still 250 on some networks uh, for Biden and zero statements also from Trump. 
No media appearances whatsoever. No speeches. Only a few all caps tweets. You know, similar ones to stop the count that seemed almost like he was tantruming out on Twitter. Um, he seemed upset. He seemed deflated. And uh, I, I felt at that time that Trump was sort of losing a window of opportunity to come out strong and swinging. Like I was waiting the whole time. Is Trump going to show all the supporters that he's there for this fight? Because if he believes it's fraud, he could convince all of his supporters to go out there and fight. I mean, a lot of them. Right. And I felt even at that time, by the time Friday rolled on, Abby, I was like, Trump really lost a pretty clear window of opportunity to hear to do this. Um, And even his own children were tweeting at him saying what needs to happen now is real Donald Trump needs to fight. It's like, are you talking? Are you trying to convince your dad on Twitter trying to blow up his spot on Twitter? What is happening here? I mean. Do you, I mean, so I was like, I was like, damn, dude, like Trump was acting like he'd thrown in the towel by not Mm -hmm. coming out at all, doing a speech, by not putting out any articulate, strong arguments on Twitter, by not even issuing a written statement off Twitter. I felt that he had already thrown in the towel and gone full Jeb Bush. This was almost at the point where you can almost say right now, Trump has become, you know, Hayden Biden in a way. (laughs) The basement Biden, you know, that that accusation, which was largely true that Biden was hiding, has now become Trump's operating (laughs) paradigm, which is incredible. What happened to the post-corona Roy Cohen swinging and counterpunching Trump? The dude is gone. Not a 30-second video, nothing that he's seriously committed to fighting this out. Nothing. He's just sending his surrogates out there. All bark, no bite. He had a perfect moment there where he could have rallied the troops. Yeah. You know, what we were actually imagining in the worst case scenario to have played out. Oh, my God. He could have made that call. Come out and fight for me. And and you know what's funny, Abby? He didn't even have to go full cue at that point. No. All these little dominoes were already all set up waiting to fall in the spectacular display. All he had, you're right. All he had to say was, go out and fight for me. That is like coded message enough. It's not even coded. That will activate all the Q and honors. Yep. That activates the Q and honors. Maybe even throw in something that sounds like it could be Q and on without even dog whistling to it directly. And boom, it's on. So if I was a Trump supporter in that moment, Friday night, Thursday night, I would have already been really worried that Trump has decided to throw in the towel just based on his lazy, low-energy tweets, his low-energy Jeb-like speech from the day before. Because without Daddy Trump's energy to fight this vote fraud, they definitely will lose. Just this movement will feel like they've taken an enormous hit. I can't stress enough how big of a deal it would be if Trump actually did something completely different and leaned into that fight. I mean, and it would 100%. empower and enrage all of the supporters, you know, even towards Fox, towards Biden. It's just insane. Like, I'm I'm actually, like, worried somewhat for their mental health, not just from accepting the Trump loss in terms of the election results, but that their daddy abandoned them. Right. That's really, like, that must really hurt. They're in the denial stage of that right now. Mm-hmm. Once they right. reach the point of, like, re- past the denial stage, that's anger. I honestly believe some of them are going to be fucking pissed at this dude 
for completely throwing in the towel. Or will they continue because they are so detached from reality and they actually do believe that Trump is fighting, even though he's not out there the 40 fighting chess at move. all. Yeah, the 40 chess move, the courts, all of this stuff. They they are convinced that this is illegitimate. They are convinced that there was massive election fraud. And by the way, can we just call out these people who ostensibly think that they're on the fucking left and are actually totally legitimizing all of these claims of election fraud. And they're like, oh, so the DNC can rig it for Bernie, but they, but you orange man bad, so you can't see how they can rig it for against Trump. It's like, dude, are you that stupid that you actually don't even understand what election fraud versus like voter suppression oh, means God. or like voter fraud? Like voter fraud is not real. <laughs> like that, that's what Republicans use to suppress the vote. Like all of this is fake. Yeah. And and so just laundering GOP rhetoric, like that makes you a critical thinker. So anyway, that aside, I think that people are totally convinced that Trump won. All of his supporters are convinced that he won. And, and even if Trump doesn't fight, I think that the anger will not be directed to Trump. I think it will be directed toward Biden and the left again. Um, and that worries me because even though I may have been sensationally thinking that some sort of violence would erupt over this election, which hasn't happened so far. Thank God. Like that could still happen. I agree with you, but I still think that without Trump, Trump is, I think he's the key to making that, that storm erupt. So for some reason he decides to just let go and not stick in there and not empower them at all. They might start to realize they've been betrayed. Mm -hmm. Some of them. But I agree with you. This QAnon energy, this anti-left energy, this anti, you know, this fake version of the deep state that his supporters like talk about energy is not going away at all. And uh, yeah, we should go into some examples, I guess, of just some of their reactions to it and some of their the stages of grief that they're in right now. I mean, anywhere from his own surrogates, the way they're behaving media pundits to actual um his own voters who are uploading videos to tiktok and stuff it's actually pretty disturbing some of the things they're saying so richard grinnell uh was one of the first surrogates i saw of trump's that sort of was telegraphing just total weakness um usually a guy who likes to really go out on twitter and battle people he's a QAnon promoter uh he ran away from like one of the most lackey MSNBC reporters on the in the field I've ever seen. Oh yeah, who was asking him to prove the voter fraud thing? Yeah, and just bounced. And and even before that, apparently he was trying to pretend like he wasn't Richard Grinnell. A bunch of reporters <laughs> had already come out to the Nevada protest. Um, there was already a little, you know, kind of a bullshitty protest. This is the thing, Abby. Mm-hmm. I'm optimistic that we haven't seen bigger right-wing protests so far oh yeah absolutely that's like shocking to me right but again what if trump flipped that switch how much bigger would they have been and is his window closing to make them really go off yep so i think that's one of the positive things that's happened here is like alex jones went out to the the arizona Mm -hmm. protest Mm -hmm. and he said we need to march the white house tomorrow nobody came it didn't happen He didn't follow through. Cernovich, a couple days after he showed up in Arizona pushing the Sharpie gate thing, you know, I I don't want to go into the Sharpie gate thing. People can look that up if they want. He announced he's retiring on Twitter from politics. So 
I don't know. I think that a lot of people are already going to jump ship from Trump. Mm-hmm. We might see the GOP still trying to carry this idea that we're going to work it out through the courts moving forward. But I think we will see more and more people jumping ship from the Trump machine, his surrogates moving forward. And the fact that Richard Grinnell couldn't even handle being asked a few questions is literally running away to escape from this like pathetic MSNBC reporter. I mean, once again, when I saw that, I was like, wow, they're really um, they, they don't have their shit together. They don't know what they're doing. One thing that gives me extreme personal gratification is that people like Mark Dice won't be directly invited to the White House Rose Garden to like hang out with the president of the United States. I think that whoever is next in the docket, you know, they they are telling us that there's going to be a worse version of Trump like a Tom Cotton. Sure. But Trump was a unique candidate. You know, he posed as a political outsider. He was able to have this umbrella like reach where he legitimized all of these conspiracists and cult figures, you know, all of these crazy ass grifters in alternative media, like people from Gateway Pundit, um, people like Mark Dice, people like Mike Cernovich. And I don't think, and of course, Alex Jones, we can't forget him, but I really don't think that we will see that again. I don't think that the next Republican in line will legitimize those kinds of people. And that to me is something that is very gratifying that these people had a wild ride. They had a friend in the fucking White House. They were able to pretend like he was fighting the deep state, being inside of this like elite loop of political insiders that had a direct line to the White House. I don't think that we're going to see that anymore. Oh, their and ride's so over. I don't, I, don't, I don't blame Cernovich for wanting to retire. I don't see where people like him oh, no. are going to go. And that really, really warms my heart. That's something that I feel like is one of the best things to come out of Trump getting crushed. I, I think you're right. I mean, I completely agree with you. The satisfaction of seeing these people completely lose their standing and just ruin their own brand by attaching themselves to a president and bootlicking a president for four years is so satisfying. And I even saw repeats of just total neo-lib style meltdowns on the MAGA side, which was glorious. So, for example, I saw MAGAs turning against libertarians for the first yep. time who voted for Joe Jerkinson, the yep. same high horse magas that you'll sometimes see who are like bashing libs for bashing Jill Stein mm-hmm. just went full neo-lib and turned against third party voters for costing Trump the election. I love it. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I saw also a concerted campaign by these sort of more psychopath fascist. So quasi libertarians like Michael Malice trying to turn people away from Joe Jurgensen, presenting Trump as sort of this true anti-establishment choice. I don't know if you guys noticed out there who are listeners of Media Roots Radio, and if some of you are still libertarian, but a lot of libertarians out there started to lean more in sort of sort of this fascist pro-Trump paradigm in the post-pandemic and BLM protest era, uh, like in the last six months. And it's been quite disappointing to see. Um, but right. surprisingly, Joe Jurgensen did get like 3% and a fairly, like, I don't know if that's even been reported yet in any, anywhere, but I was surprised the percentages she was getting um, in oh some of these God, states. Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, wider than the margins that Trump lost by, for sure. Yeah. In so the states. I think one big part of this that is going to already make people angry, and it's why I think Fox News needs to walk this fine line right now, 
is the right was all, like poised to just like go fully at Fox. Like the the fever pitch was getting to the point where I was like, damn, I can I wouldn't even be surprised if like some pro Trump protesters went to Fox right now. Like yeah. the amount of heat that was going against it because they called Arizona before MSNBC. I mean, mm-hmm. just imagine how much that looks bad or that looks like some kind of conspiracy to them, you know? But Robbie, since when does the media call elections? You're like talking love that. point all over the place. I love it because <laughs> I even see some really smart people that I respect going around saying that right now. And it's like, look, this is how it's always been done. They don't call elections. They call the sort of president-elect before the vote tallies are counted in every previous circumstance. Based on statistical probabilities. That's how it's always worked. Yeah, That's so, math, dude. That's fucking math calling the election. So yeah, if you're only having this conversation now and being like, wait a second, you believe the neo-lib media when they call the election? It's like, <laughs> dude, you believed it too until your daddy Trump and fucking his surrogates told you about this like talking point. Like, shut the right, fuck yeah, up, dude. Super sad. Come on, dude. Like, like if you want to have that conversation, just have it like you're not a lemming. Because, like, right. all, it is an interesting conversation that the media does that. And that's been the tradition. That's super interesting and bizarre. But, like, don't just have the conversation because some, like, right-wing outlet or Twitter account told you to. Like, be your own critical thinker. For fuck's sake. I know. I've been, I've been having several conversations ongoing with Trump supporters just to see, like, a window into their mind and their soul. And they are literally thinking that the evidence is going to be presented because I'm just because I'm even asking them. I'm saying, when oh, yeah. will you abandon We're Trump? Go into like that. at what at what point will you say that you have to admit that you're being lied to? When that Trump has nothing. When it's emotionally and they just, safe, they just say, "Wait, dude." They just say, "Wait and see." It's all coming out, Robbie. It's all coming out. Trust the plan. Giuliani's going to present it. Um, so don't worry. It, like I said, Abby, they're going to have to have an outlet. Like there's going to be, there is going to be another shoe dropping with that at some point. Cause mm-hmm. now it's not like Trump has another four years for Q and that whole movement to keep doing carrots on a stick. It's over. It's fucking over. So like if nothing materializes, they're going to be pissed. And, and Fox news, it's like when they, some of these people are watching Fox news and they say stuff like Fox news actually said the day that it was called, which was Saturday morning, mm-hmm. it was called for Biden, that Trump's silence has been very unusual and really definite. Really? They fucking said that. And it's true. It's like his tweets don't matter. His tweet, his energy on Twitter is not like him going out there talking. It doesn't translate to action. It doesn't translate to rallying the troops. They know that's, that he's hurting. And you know what's funny? Everyone made fun of Hillary like they should have for not going out there and doing a concession speech because she was probably sobbing that night. She was hysterical. She came out the next day. Trump has been in hiding for, this is like the longest we haven't heard from him. It really is. Like, this is nuts. <laughs> yeah, where's his little iPhone videos? Like, pull a computer yeah, and just start, like, posting videos of yourself, like, talking directly to your supporters, dude. This is your chance. His COVID, dude, his COVID comeback video tour even from the hospital was like a game, even though we were all making fun of it and we're like, they look like blue screen. It looks like he did an outfit change. So what? He pulled it off. Yep. He fucking pulled it off. And I was like, okay, dude, he's back. Teflon Dawn is back. This is not, this is like full Jeb. This is Jeb. (laughs) Hyden Biden Jeb. It really is. Trump. It's like, 
Could because con- contrast it with his normal way, his normal operating paradigm. He is definitely suffering right now. And I think that he's gone more of an emotional hole than even Hillary Clinton went in after her devastating loss. Because look how she was able to bounce back and at least right. do a few speeches. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that he's so obsessed with this feedback loop of watching TV that he's yes. let the Fox News paradigm get to him so much that he's so depressed right now. You I know, agree. And all he can really do is just like shoot off tweets because he he doesn't he's so morally bankrupt and like emotionally bankrupt that he yes. doesn't know how to respond. And I think his personality is like a black hole that mm-hmm. he needs. He can, he needs to come out there with something that he really believes in to right. seem convincing. And I don't think he knows what to latch on to. Even his legal strategy. John yep. Turley, who came out in f- for him during impeachment, they brought him out, the Republicans did. Well, he said this on Twitter after he appeared on Fox News. He says, thus far, the Trump legal strategy has not been impressive. There are accounts of ineligible voting, but the Trump team will have to show greater focus and present harder evidence to secure judicial review. As I stated in this column, such review would address lingering doubts. Scoops. So... That's not looking good. And I think that what's really fascinating is this Trump's black hole personality sits here and watches this. He's just putting his finger into the wind to see what Fox News tells him. But what's fascinating is Fox News' owners have already told him he's out. They already want him out. It's very clear Rupert Murdoch wants him out. So the Fox News messaging now has to be this balancing act where they have to almost like sort of convince him through osmosis while he's watching the TV to con- to concede. That's a really fascinating psychological paradigm that a TV channel is actually doing partly the work right now to try to psychologically massage our president into a graceful exit. That is fucking crazy. It, People it talked about how weird lot, it is dude. that that Tucker would would theoretically convince Trump out of wars. Well, this is way weirder. This is way weirder. It's so goddamn weird. And let's get this out of the way. Is there any concrete evidence of election fraud? Of course not. Yes, there's voter fraud in every election. It's statistically insignificant. It has no sway over election results. This is something that has been known, that is known. Again, it is used as a talking point from the GOP to ram through voter suppression legislation which I actually covered for Telesur. I did a whole video on all of the methods that, that the GOP was initiating to suppress the vote for predominantly people of color. So Trump and his legal team is just basically throwing a bunch of shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. And he's just hoping and praying that something will pan out. Scattershot. Um, but even, even the Pennsylvania segregation of ballots will not hold because it makes no goddamn sense. Yeah, it's a scattershot approach they're legally trying to see what will legally stick uh but that again i mean i think what turley said is basically saying it telegraphs incoherence that they have no real concrete plan to overturn the election and with a pathway to victory ted cruz tried to make it seem really authoritative that they can somehow figure out a way to get rid of the mail-in ballots and that's constitutional and then he should know that because he's been on the supreme court or that he worked with the supreme court or whatever his version of it was probably the most convincing ver- argument that Trump viewers are going to get. The problem is, again, without Trump out there fighting and swinging, they're gonna. They're, why would they carry all this weight on their shoulders if Trump's not going to go out there and fight too? 
Mm-hmm. It's a double-sided mm-hmm. machine. They can't just go out there by themselves and fight for Trump. So that's what's so fascinating is Trump has keeps missing these windows of opportunity. No, he decides to retweet Ted Cruz. Right, exactly. That's what he's doing. He's just retweeting people who are, who are supporting his claims. Yeah, yeah. That's really weak. Yep, that's really weak. And you know what? Like, Twitter doesn't have to be hiding his tweets too. Where Trump yeah, says, "Yeah, that, that's insanely yeah, stupid." Like, dude. Why is Twitter hiding like half of the president's tweets? Deep state, brah. And it's just, yeah, it's like, of course we knew you guys rolled out the voter fraud thing because you knew that the Republicans were going to be talking all about voter fraud. I mean, it's not a political maneuver, but it kind of is because it's like, it's almost like giving them an excuse to hide all these tweets. But yeah, the tw- really the, let's just ha- see them because l- then we can address all of them right. and debunk them. Like, dude, <laughs> War Room Pandemic, like a show that I'm tracking for this podcast, Steve Bannon show got pulled off Twitter. And yeah, it was because Steve Bannon made some death threats to sitting uh, <laughs> officials, but it still fucked me up because now I'm like, I have like a hundred quote tweets of the show, all these URLs saved and now they're gone. Like I should. Right. So moving forward, recommendation to anybody who does the kind of work we do, always archive a Twitter link. If you want to save it, go on archive.is or a website like that and save a tweet. Don't rely on it because you might be sorry later. And let's just be honest. I think it's, I think maybe some of those people have even passed the denial stage already. They're just not saying it. They're already in the anger stage of realizing that Trump has left them all out to fucking dry. Your dude is gone. Where is Trump? Where is he? meaner and stronger you get you guys need him he yeah, i mean right he's he's the magic spice you couldn't have done this without him you can't fight now you're not going to do shit right it's all talk no action i mean these people are enraged and they're having meltdowns but like i don't think they're going to do anything about it like i said i think we're we're lucky we went over the first hump there hasn't been massive militia marches you know at these polling centers yet mm-hmm Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, I think we should maybe just play a collage of, you know, some reactions um, that have been showing up on Twitter and other places from some of these Trump voters That'd of some beautiful. of the rage out there and the denial and the stages of grief that they're in. Be beautiful. Let's do it. Fuck you. So threatening. Get the fuck out of here. You put up with your fucking shit no more. Hi. I will respect you. The fuck out of here, you stupid cut. Super classy. You don't love this country? You don't love this flag? Get the fuck out! Americans are tired of your shit. You are war. I'm standing here. I don't know why you're threatening me. You're destroying the United States. You're destroying this nation. You're against this country. You're against what Donald Trump stands for. You're here, so you support people who are, kill babies, who support lawlessness, who support riots and lawlessness in the streets. Joe Biden is a pedophile. His son is a pedophile. He rapes Chinese little girls. Joe Biden knows about it. Joe Biden is in the text. He says, the big man, kicking up money to the big man from China. 
and you support these people. Family stealing the election. The media is covering up. The Biden crime family stealing this election. The media is covering up. The Biden crime family stealing this election. The media is covering up. We want our freedom for the world. Give us our freedom, Joe Biden. Joe Biden's covering up this election. He's stealing it. The fact is, is that a lot of you guys who went balls to the wall hard as fuck for Trump up until this election are literally on my timeline saying, oh, well, well, we might have a shot, but if Biden went, you know what the fuck it is. You know what the fuck it is. Do not let these sons of bitches fucking tell you different. You know what it is. Look inside yourself. It was real. It is real. And if you are not willing to fight, then damn it, you are willing to lay down and let these crooks run America. I can't live like that. If people want to start holding people accountable, you know where the fuck to find me. But damn it, there's no quit on this side. And I swear to God, we're going to do this without you or with you. All right, America, you've seen it. You've seen what these fucking cheating, lying, scummy cocksuckers did. Our forefathers had to ask themselves the very important question. Is this country worth fighting and maybe dying for? You know what their answer was? Yes. You know what my answer is? Yes. You know what your answer should be? Yes. You know what? It's on. It's on. This is uh this is what they wanted for. This is what they pushed for. And all these four years, they think they can just push and push and poke and nothing's going to happen, right? We're just going to lay down and take it like dogs, like get kicked like they've been kicking us. Let one motherfucker come in my face and I'll be the last face he ever comes in front of because I'll beat the snot out of him. It's on. It's on. It's on. It's time. You know what? America, lock and load, aim small, miss small. They wanted it. They're going to get it. Well, let me just read one tweet to you, which I think might indicate, hint at what I'm saying, that I think their rage might actually at some point turn towards their dear leader, Daddy Trump. This Twitter user, um, and I I just randomly found this tweet on Twitter. Um, It wasn't like something that I saw in an article. They say in all caps, how could have Trump of let us all down. The entire was counting on him to be a born leader. These are dark days and the Democrats are going to turn back the clock and use all their influences to resemble the previous downward of our country. And Donald J. Trump abandoned us. Oops. Oh, I know somebody reading that would be like, that sounds like a Russian bot or some kind of like bot, but um, maybe it is. But uh, yeah. So I think that, um, I don't know. That's my prediction. I'm going to make another dumb prediction and say that I think we're going to see some really angry Trump supporters coming up soon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you said earlier, could this have been some sort of 4D chess maneuver for Trump to really (laughs) leave the White House purposely? Oh, the mail-in ballots? Yeah, like for him to actually leave, uh, regardless of whether or not he knew that this was coming, at this point, it's kind of the best case scenario for him. And he can leave the White House with his head held high still, just pretending that the entire thing has been rigged, that he really did win the election. And even though his supporters may be mad at him for being such a pussy, they still are going to believe that like it was stolen from him. So he can just keep going with that narrative 
again, like a complete detachment from reality and still just carrying tens of millions of people down that road where people just believe in an alternate reality that did not happen and that will never be proven. So, yeah, I mean, it's it would be like a right wing version of the sort of more fringy left belief in the early 2000s that Al Gore was the true president and that Bush was never the real president, except it'll be a more strong chorus of that. It'll last through the entire Biden presidency. And I think that's really where it will go. But I I think in the long term, I'm just more probably more worried about like where the QAnon energy will go. Of course. You know, the voter fraud thing will just be used as a talking point to delegitimize Biden's presidency. And I don't think it's really going to do much. I'm more actually interested in terms of like what can happen in the Biden presidency is the Hunter leaks possibly turning into, you know, investigations on Biden. Mm-hmm. Because we didn't see Hillary get in office after the Podesta and the DNC email leaks to see what those could have turned into. So if there's any meat in these leaks, then we might see, you know, him just completely uh, battered by all these different investigations. Do you want to really quickly talk about if you think Hunter's laptop moved the needle at all? Uh, yeah, let's talk about that for a second. I mean, so I didn't mention this guy on the last podcast, but since he did become a pivotal character in the whole st- narrative, and I don't know how much you pay attention to this, Abby, but Tony Bobolinsky, mm-hmm. the Tony Bobolinsky Hail Mary sort of what I would describe as their last best effort to make the most out of the Hunter Biden laptop leaks. So the question is, did it work? Um, and I think sadly for them, absolutely fucking not. Um, and besides the fact that, as you mentioned on the last podcast, that Twitter and Facebook took absurd measures to like fully censor anything about these leaks, including like New York Post stories and things like that. The most interesting part to me in the end of this Tony Bobolinsky tale is that Tony Bobolinsky is a ex intelligence agent. Uh, he's part of a class of sort of retired intelligence people who work in DC, who are consultants who just hang out in DC to usher in shady foreign business deals for corrupt politicians and their family members. So like the story of Biden's shady family, you know that's already a story in and of itself. We've we've read about that. We get a little we get a little bit more details about the fact that Biden's brother is actually like involved in these sort of corrupt business dealings as well from these Hunter Biden leaks. That's a fascinating component. But what's even more interesting to me than just Biden's corruption is that the existence of someone like Tony Bobolinsky himself, that there are people like him in D.C who are like these participants in giving advice and consulting with politicians on how to like broker a deal with like uh, Chinese companies and how to like, you know, make it not look bad or things like that. So it's just strange that this is even a thing at all. Um, Like it's like sort of a CIA spook retirement job, you know, consulting job kind of thing. So I guess that was interesting to me uh, because that's something to look at moving forward Mm -hmm. is how many people like this dude do that and it's just fascinating that he would just blow the whistle on them and blow it up for them too even though he was hired to do this business deal for them and then why did this chinese billionaire off the website g news uh, which is the actual source for a lot of the hunter leaks why did they make us look at so many pictures of hunter's hot cock was it a distraction (laughs) i think it ultimately um was a pretty big distraction because like 
was Miles Guo actually helping sabotage this? Like other people have alleged that Miles Guo is actually secretly working for the Chinese government. Like who is Miles Guo? I mean, what was what was the good reason for distracting people with explicit pictures of Hunter Biden's penis if the laptop from hell did have a smoking gun of corrupt business deal proof? Like, why would they mix those two together? Couldn't they wait until after the election? It just was really, I mean, that just to me seemed really sloppy. And to throw all your eggs in the Rudy Giuliani basket to try to get that engine going just seems really kind of just sloppy too. He's an alcoholic. He got tricked by Sasha Baron Cohen. I mean, you'd have to be a complete moron to get tricked by Sasha Baron Cohen this long after Ali G. I mean, just so many things about him. It just doesn't make sense. To throw all your eggs in the basket of Rudy Giuliani for him to be the face of your legal strategy now to push this voter fraud angle also just seems really sloppy. So if it's anything like the Hunter Biden laptop rollout leak, I'm pretty confident that this is going to fizzle out. Rudy Giuliani just seems like a bumbling fucking moron at this point. Oh, yeah. I mean, the fact that Rudy Giuliani is the face of this just says it all. And yeah, can we all agree that Borat was just absolute trash? I don't know why everyone thinks it's so great. I tried to watch it. I couldn't get through it because it was just absolutely horrifically bad. Um, But yeah, the Tony Bobulinski thing, Bobulinski, it shows you how many shady operatives there are that we don't know about that are working behind the scenes in D.C. D.C. is just such a cesspool, you know, and it's just so disturbing. Like, we focus on the people who are in the light, you know, on the news and stuff. But, like, how many people like him are just, like, operating? Oh, my God. And and then the fact that... Yeah, and even just someone like Miles Guo Mm -hmm. exists at all. I guess really quickly, um, I, I, I did briefly mention that Steve Bannon got his Twitter account, his show's Twitter account taken away, but I'll just expand upon what actually happened really quickly is about three days ago, Steve Bannon on his show um, was getting really tearful. (laughs) He didn't quite cry, but he made this really impassioned sort of poetic speech about how Trump supporters need to fight like the U.S. soldiers going into Normandy, knowing they were going into certain death. So when I was watching him doing that, I was like, dude, (laughs) he's almost going like Alex Jones level. I love it. He's almost going like Alex Jones level. But then it got crazier the next day when Bannon said that he was calling for the arrest of Jack Dorsey for censoring the president's tweets. Like really seriously saying that they should go in and arrest Jack Dorsey right now. Then the day after that, Bannon said that Fauci and FBI Director Ray were traitors and he would cut off both of their heads and put them in the front of the White House on pikes as a warning to the other people out there who might consider becoming traitors to President Trump. And that's the second term. Second term kicks off with firing Ray, firing Fauci. Now, I actually want to go a step farther, but I realize the president is a kind-hearted man and a good man. I'd actually like to go back to the old uh, times of Tudor England. I'd put the heads on pikes, right? I'd put them at the two corners of the White House as a warning to federal bureaucrats. You either get with the program or you're gone. Time to stop playing games. Blow it all out. Put Rick Grinnell today as the interim head of the FBI. That'll, that'll, light some, that'll light him up, right? So within 20 minutes of War Room Pandemic putting out this video clip, their Twitter account got suspended permanently. So why would Bannon just kamikaze one of Trump's like most important little battle flanks during such an important time? 
I thought that was a strange move. Bannon probably knew his Twitter account was going to get pulled. Is Bannon throwing the towel in too? Is he having a tantrum? I mean, what don't you think that's a bizarre thing to ruin your own account like that? That's the thing. It's like, was Trump going to pardon him? And will he still pardon him? Because Trump kind of threw him under the bus when Bannon got arrested. And Absolutely. I don't know. It seems like Bannon's getting increasingly desperate. Maybe he thinks that he's really going to go to prison. Did you see the thing on here where I, I put an article about how his lawyer suddenly resigned right after he made these death threats to Ray and Fauci? Wow. In the, in the build the wall fraud case. Yeah. So wow. I don't know if Trump's going to pardon him, but I feel like he kind of, Bannon is possibly facing other charges. So he, I think that Trump probably needs to. Right. At right. this point. Yeah, I, I can't explain why he went off the rails so much. It is just so funny, though. It's like the the liberal tears thing. It's just like, oh, my God, it's so good to see these people freak out so much and, like, just call for this army of non-existent Trump supporters to come and, and storm the castle. Like, where are they, dude? Well, yeah, where are they? That's the thing. They're all putting out some pretty extreme rhetoric right now. Seb Gorka is, Bannon is, Alex Jones is. Alex Jones has been pretty absent too, which is interesting. He really? hasn't really said much about it. Have been tuning into his show? What, what's he talking about? I've been about? trying to find clips of him reacting to it, and I can't find any. So um, I'll keep looking. But, you know, Trump said, tune in. He said, big press conference today in Philadelphia at the Four Seasons Total Landscaping at 11.30 a.m. on Saturday morning. And within minutes of him tweeting that, they called the election got called for Biden mm-hmm. by all the networks. Mm-hmm. So what the hell was this press conference? I thought Trump was going to show up at this press conference, which is a weird location for a press conference. Everybody's making jokes saying it's like Veep. It's like a cartoon. How did they fuck up the booking? They meant to book it at the Four Seasons Hotel, but they accidentally instead booked it at the Four Seasons Total Landscaping Company. <laughs> that seems almost too ridiculous to believe, but... Maybe maybe someone on the inside of their campaign is already just like fuck this shit. Like I'm I'm the, I'm getting the fuck out of here. But isn't that exactly what happened though? That the landscaping place was where they booked it. I mean, it, that is what happened. Well, that's but we don't know that. Like I want to see like an actual full investigative deep dive on exactly what happened here. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's just funny that the landscaping place even granted the press conference knowing know. how like it made no sense yeah, yeah. actually asked to like are you the sure conference there <laughs> yeah i already saw like a sketch comedy someone put together that was like of pretending to be the landscaping company taking the booking call <laughs> and they were like wait a second like wh- where are we gonna do it? we don't have a stage here <laughs> like <laughs> but the fact that they tweeted out big press conference today in philadelphia at four seasons total landscaping the fact that trump tweeted that like that makes no sense at all what do you mean four seasons total landscaping? Like, I don't know, what, but he fucking tweeted it out, dude. About, so dude? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so like this was this was like the last official Trump press conference. I shit you not. He hasn't even had any <laughs> other spokespeople talk to the press oh yet. Oh my god. And and Giuliani's performance Giuliani did this press conference with Corey Lewandowski. Wait, wasn't there like a sex offender there too? Yeah, there was. Uh, West Nile Giuliani stood near a convicted sex offender during the press conference. Because they don't decide the election. The call for Joe Biden isn't, is it? Who was it called by? All the, all the, oh my goodness, all the networks. Wow. 
All the networks. We have to forget about the law. Judges don't count. All the networks, all the networks. All the networks thought Biden was going to win by 10%. Gee, what happened? Come on, don't be, don't be ridiculous. Networks don't get to decide elections. Courts do. And keep in mind that Rudy Giuliani and Corey Lewandowski have both appeared on television multiple times drunk, like right. visibly intoxicated. Right. So like, I don't know, man. I think Trump has lost even some of his like most intelligent surrogates at this point. I don't know what's happening, but to lean on them too, that's not a good sign. I mean, from from his like from his side, this war that he's trying to fight, that's a, to me telegraphs. They've fucking not just thrown in the towel, but they only have like their worst soldiers left. The only ones who are willing to stick in there. It's it's it's. I mean, I ho- I hate to sound too optimistic, but it just really to me telegraphs weakness. Oh, it's beautiful. It's totally beautiful. I did not watch the press conference. Uh, I did see the memory afterward. It would look insane. It's really hard to wrap your mind around the fact that they would kind of end with a whimper at this landscaping company's parking lot. Like you just can't make this shit up. I mean, it really, it's like beyond veep levels. It's almost like you can't parody it. Even if you try to write a comedy thing to make it, you can't do it. It's, it's amazing. That's the whole Trump presidency. It's, it's impossible to parody. That's why comedy sucked so bad. Like, you can't actually even say shit that, like, was funnier than what Trump was saying. Let's talk really quickly about what this means for progressives and Biden before you get into the Q analysis. As I mentioned before, 7 million more people came out this year to vote for Trump than they did in 2016. And with all the pandering and direct messaging to conservatives and moderates and Republicans from the Biden campaign, what did that do? What did grifting entities like the Lincoln Project do ultimately? Well, nothing. In fact, they lost support from Republicans. Less Republicans came out than voted for Hillary Clinton. I think they lost Republicans by three points, which is tremendous considering how much was directly catered to bringing out Republicans, the mo- the quote-unquote moderate Republicans who they wanted to abandon Trump. If anything, I feel like Republicans gravitated more to Trump because they saw what a useful vessel he was. Back in 2016, they didn't know. He was totally unpredictable. They had no idea if Trump was going to be perfect for their agenda. He did nothing but prove himself that he would serve them loyally, bringing them the biggest tax cut in the history of this country. So if anything, I would feel like Republicans would have voted more for him. And guess what they did? So the Lincoln Project and all these other Republican grifting machines were completely pointless. And it wasn't even just that. It shows you what happens when you have nothing other than like we're restoring the dignity and character of this country. When you have no actual political program or policy prescriptions, this is what happens. Trump actually picked up minorities across the board. Um, every race and gender, except white men, surprisingly so. He lost five points with the white male vote. He actually gained white women. The change from 2016 was black men up four points, black women up four points, Latino men up three points, Latino women up three points. To show you just how disastrous this was for Democrats, what an existential crisis it is for Democrats to actually have lost so many minority votes with 
uh, open, unabashed racist in the White House because they have nothing to fucking offer. They have nothing to galvanize people around. And you look at some of these like Latino strongholds, like literally right on the border, like Zapata County, just north of the Rio Grande, um, Trump went up by six points, six points, where comparatively to Clinton, she had 33 points higher than Biden did. Like, think about how stunning of a discrepancy that is. Star County, Texas, the most Hispanic county in the entire country, and the third poorest, where the per capita income is $7,000, Biden won by just five points. Clinton won by 60 points. That's, that's really, really scary. That is really scary when Trump is running on his hatred for Latinos. Um, but of course, like Latinos, not just some like blanket voting block. There's several breakdowns of Latino voters. You know, there's like the right wing Gusanos in Florida, the, the Venezuelan Cuban exiles. There's the Mexican immigrants. There's so many different people who comprise of like the Latino block, but it really does show you when you have nothing to offer people, when you have nothing to offer people whose per capita income is $7,000, people who are suffering, the millions of people who lost their jobs, who lost their health care during the pandemic. Um, and when Trump was able to siphon those voters, like people who maybe believed that the reopen the economy mantra was a populist call because yeah. there was no program offering for a stimulus for national health care. So what happens to that block of people who get nothing from the two parties and they just see one person, which is Trump, making that call, right? That that we need to reopen the economy and save businesses. That becomes what people believe to be like a working class pledge, even though we know it's not. But that's what worked. And, and that's how Trump did so well. Like 80% of the people who said the economy was their number one issue voted for Trump. Um, and that really says a lot. That really says a lot that 50% of voters thought Trump handled the pandemic well, you know, and, and Biden, you know, just the arrogance and the hubris, just like Clinton, that just thought that Latinos was a locked in block for them, that thought black voters was a locked in block for them. Biden political operatives earlier this year said that they didn't even consider Latinos part of their path to victory because it was just a given. And when you take like these people for granted, you're going to fucking lose. You're going to fucking lose when you offer people of color and people who are marginalized and oppressed in this country, when you just automatically assume that A, they're paying attention to the minutia of like politics, right? And the news and seeing all the fucked up shit Trump says and does. That's not what's going on. That's not what's going on when these people are struggling to survive, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. There's a reason why so many of these people gravitated toward Trump. And now what is Biden doing as a result? Well, you already mentioned that John Kasich and all these other people are literally saying this weaponized talking point that the left is going to be punished, that actually they, they, they lost all these down ballot races, Robbie, because of the left. Even though you see these Fox News exit polls, which is hilarious that this actually happened on Fox, right, that showed the vast majority of voters, even though they voted for Trump, even though a lot of them voted for GOP Senate and Congress people, 
they all strongly believe in populist policies that are actually progressive. Like, for example, 75% of voters in these exit polls strongly or somewhat favor a government-run healthcare plan. Um, Roe v. Wade, do they want to be overturned? 71% say leave as is. What does that say about the weak fight that the Democrats had just rolled over and died for the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett? Because of a political strategy. They actually thought that it would gain them Republican votes if they didn't fight her nomination. U.S. gun laws should be more strict. 55% of voters said more strict. This is according to the Fox News poll. What should happen to illegal immigrants in the U.S.? Pathway to citizenship, 72% versus 28% deportation. All of this really shows you where the people's minds are really at. If it weren't for weaponized disinformation campaigns and massive amounts of propaganda shoved down our throats to make us feel like these are super divisive issues that the country's like split down party lines on. That's not the case at all, at all. And we would be so much further ahead if it weren't for deliberate efforts um, on behalf of these institutions and shit to like suppress these monumental gains from happening, you know? Um, how concerned are you about climate change? Very concerned. 50% very concerned. Somewhat concerned, 26%. So you take that together, over 75% very concerned or somewhat concerned about climate change, according to these Fox News polls. Um, increasing government spending on renewable energy, again, 70%. So you just keep going down with basically every issue. And then you look at like weed decriminalization or legalization, that's just off the charts as well. And what it shows you that the Democrats have a losing strategy where they're constantly just straddling the middle of, of the line, right? This non-existent, like centrist appeal that literally just doesn't exist. And if they just took a strong stance on progressive policies, they would absolutely undoubtedly win because the vast majority of people want these things, but they never will accept that. That's why we can't, you know, the, this pipe dream of changing the Democratic Party, moving Biden left. He's not a leftist. He'll never be a leftist. He is a centrist, moderate Republican. And that's all he'll ever be. And you see this uh, revealed in his potential cabinet picks, which we can get into too. But uh, we'll do a whole episode once we know for sure what those are, because I feel like it's just kind of all um, hypothetical right now. Like we know, so we know Susan Rice is going to be in there and she's terrible. We know John Kasich is going to be in there. He's fucking anti-abortion, anti-gay Republican. We know like the CEO of Quibi, the failed venture that like went bankrupt within months is going to be potentially floated for the chamber of commerce. It's just like, how is this real? You know, how, how is it real that these Republicans are going to be put in Biden's cabinet over people like Bernie Sanders, people who work their fucking asses off to get Biden elected. Not even a token progressive is going to be put in there just to appeal to this base. No, it's a slap in the face. It's a complete rejection and repudiation of all of Bernie Sanders' policies and his followers. And it really does show us how we need to be working outside of this two-party system, this two-party dictatorship, and build up an actual people's working-class party that rejects this failed, bankrupt policy of neoliberalism. Because that's that's what people rejected in this election. And that's what you're not going to see from these cheering pundits who want to pretend like this was some huge victory for them. Well, just on the bright side, this is what Michael Savage thinks... <laughs> 
that Joe Biden's cabinet's going to look like. Department of State Hillary Clinton. And this is all in all caps, by the way, on Twitter. Treasury, occasional, cortex. I think he means AOC with that. Occasional cortex. Who's mm-hmm. he talking about right there? Yeah, probably AOC, yeah. Defense, Lady Gaga. Interior, <laughs> Greta Thunberg. So Agriculture, dumb. Wolf Blitzer. Commerce, Bernie Sanders. Labor, Bernie Madoff. HHS, Jesse Jackson. HUD, Al Sharpton. Transportation, Don Lemon. Energy, Sancho Panza. So that's so that's a slightly better cabinet than what Joe Biden's probably. Yeah, actually right. I would. I, I actually like that. Yeah, that great. would be, that would actually be a much be better fun. cabinet. But yeah, I mean, yeah, the left is completely going to be crushed. Um, I think that the squad is actually going to try to become more part of the Biden coalition over time instead of actually fighting it from the left. That's my prediction. I don't really have any faith. Um, that they're going to push the party even more to the left. So I think that I, I just continue to believe in, you know, trying to empower third parties. You know, I, I, I can't necessarily espouse from any particular third party, but that's that's where I would think people should be focusing more right now. And just yeah, we and, need like ranked choice voting because third yeah. parties are like meaningless right now because of how fucked up the system is but more even outside just elections in general you know like the on the ground movements the social movements that's where people's focus needs to be because there's just no point i mean it's not going to be the same type of battle moving forward under a biden administration there's still going to be some information war type stuff we're going to need to engage in but it's not going to be at the same level i think that it was during the trump administration where it's just like constant nonstop noise from every angle, all these conspiracy narratives constantly f- flying at you, you know? Mm-hmm. We need to all be laser focused now on how a horrible Biden is and how we need to fight him outside of electoralism. Yeah. Because I think that unlike the Obama era, people were blinded by Obama. They actually believed he was progressive. They believed that he was going to do all this shit. I think people are looking at Joe Biden with wide and clear eyes and they all knew going into this that they were making a strategic vote, or at least a lot of people did. Um, and yeah, the liberals who are going to go back to sleep and go to brunch, they were never going to be in this fight anyway. So yeah. that that's aside from the point that like I think progressives and leftists knew that Joe Biden was horrible. Yes, he was slightly less evil than Trump. We know that we need to fight him on day one. We know that he's going to be awful, crush the left in every which way. And that's where we're at. People never had illusions about Joe Biden, you know, and and already um, they're attacking him. And I'm I'm really happy to see that. I think that we all need to be laser focused on how we can fight him and build up these people movements that have been historically the only thing that will move policy and move government. Um, yeah. But I yeah, mean, there's no there's no expecting him to do it just out of the goodness of his hearts. But one more thing, Robbie, before you go on, is that one other just stark example of progressive policies being so popular is that um, the minimum wage in Florida won with a huge margin where Democrats got absolutely trounced. They got crushed in Florida while the minimum wage won. And here's another funny thing about it is that the Democratic Party in Florida intentionally distanced itself from the minimum wage initiative because it was too far left. They didn't want to take that on. They had they had no correlation whatsoever to this initiative being a referendum on the ballot and they fucking lost abysmally. And lastly, 
the centrist Democratic leadership, people like Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, check this out. According to at NiceLatar on Twitter, um, someone who works for Current Affairs, there was an article about how centrist Democratic leaders are talking about changes, right, after this negative election. How can we change the dynamic in Congress? First, you, you taking away from this headline, you're like, oh, my God, like, are they really going to kind of take stock in their failures and really, like, finally step down as the old guard and let new blood in and, and maybe some progressives in? Like, is that what they're talking about? No. Quote from The Hill. One of the two lawmakers who spoke to The Hill said a number of Democrats representing suburban and exurban districts have been talking about the need for a change. Quote, it's time for Democrats to elevate a new generation of leadership in both the House and the Senate, the lawmaker said. Americans are clearly afraid of socialism. They want safe streets and neighborhoods and to vote for people who they believe will help put more money in their pockets. While Democratic policies can adequately address those issues, our messaging mechanism cannot. Can you fucking believe that this is what they're talking about right now? I can. <laughs> I mean, They're I literally saying, let's be more like Trump. I mean, what did, what did um, one of the worst takes I saw, I mean, it's not as bad as that, um, but it was, uh, I, I think it was Chank Uger who tweeted out that it's now time to like lay back and relax on the couch for a couple of years, like before getting up and fighting. And it's like, why are you telling all of your millions of followers that it's going to be okay for two years? Yeah. And the Democrats will just blame everything on Mitch McConnell, um, even though Trump bypass the entire nomination process by like appointing hand hand appointing all of these people in policy positions no one gave a fuck biden is just going to use this this uh mask of like mitch mcconnell and, and of course the senate majority by saying well i need to just stock my entire cabinet's full of republicans in fact he's not even going to do that because he doesn't even care about progressives or like having any excuse whatsoever so he's going to do that they're already uh, floating all these republicans they're already floating just constant terrible people to really run the show because we know Biden's not going to be running the show. And what scares me, not only his cabinet and his warmongering and militarism, but like what's going to happen in four years because Biden is not going to last long. You mean he's not going to survive literally? <laughs> I don't like he's know. I, mean, I just, I mean, his mental faculties, you know, oh, his mental faculties. But yeah, like it's just disgusting that the Democrats are blaming like the Green New Deal and and Bernie's policies for them losing. Like it's just absolutely disgusting, predictable, but but grotesque. You know, it's just sick. Yeah, they're going. I mean, they're they've been left bashing, left punching the whole time, and I think that's part of why. Um, I forgot to mention earlier when you're talking about why they've actually lost so much in like votes for from people of color and that the Trump side mm -hmm. made so many inroads in that area is partly because they left punch so much to the point where they've actually like disconnected themselves from like the left pulse to the point where they're actually in a bubble and like they're smug mm -hmm. as fuck about it and they don't even think that they need to like use that as like a measuring stick. That's why the right smart people on the right, like Bannon and Tucker have swooped in and acted like taking some of this rhetoric away from the democratic party, like about against the ruling class. Like you'll hear Tucker talking about things like the ruling class, like where if someone just in passing heard Bernie and him talking, they'd think they sounded similar without like really diving into the context of each one. So that's what's so genius about what the right has done during the Trump era and the totally. Democrats have completely let it happen. It's almost like 
they hate the left so much that they've basically saddled their own ability to actually like get make people passionate about them. They've it's like a form of self sabotage that they're okay with in a weird way. You're totally right. It's, You're totally it's right. It's disturbing. You're absolutely right, man. It's crazy. It's super crazy. Let's wrap it up, Robbie, the Q expert. Where did Q go? Well, while Trump was, you know, leaving everybody wondering where he was um, while he was doing a full-on hide in Biden, just completely away from the press cameras, um, you would think that Q, of all people, this Q clearance super patriot who is part of the patriot team that recruited Trump would never let the MAGA street force and all of their warriors stand there with their dicks out in the wind. But, Abby, after election eve, after Q posted one final post on election eve, Q disappeared. It was the death of Q as we know it. Because just like Trump, Q missed this extremely vital window of opportunity to amp up that energy. No posting since election day eve. So, did Q and is Trump Q still gone? He still hasn't posted. Oh yeah, dude, Q is gone. Wow. Well, that's debatable, and I'll Stunning. jump into that in a second if Q is gone. But it seemed like they both threw in the towel at the same time. I mean, you said it was the most anticlimactic ending to a cult ever. And I agree with you. And it's too bad that some aspect of it didn't maybe end up more like Jim Jones. <laughs> but will the MAGAs, you know, start to realize that Trump went full Jeb and Q abandoned them simultaneously? Won't that won't both those feel like an extreme betrayal if if many more days pass without Q posting or without Trump coming out swinging? I mean, these people have so much hatred for the other side. But what happens when their cult leaders leaders, both of them betray them? I mean, is it too hopeful, Abby, of me to think that they're going to turn against Trump because both cult leaders might betray them and abandon them? Mm -hmm. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that they're going to just concoct some other theory, like an offshoot of whatever they've, they've gotten from QAnon, um, and injected it into their veins. They're just going to try to basically rationalize why Q went missing. They're just going to like double down in their own psychosis and paranoia, I think. Yeah. I mean, I wonder, I mean, it's going to, it's, they're going to have to heal somehow, because the mind is a funny thing. You know, it does do mm-hmm. things to cope. What's going to be their coping mechanism to try to heal from this? And, you know, already I'll just we'll just play a couple clips here of what some Q supporters are already saying. They're in different stages of grief. One of them is already in the anger stage. One of them's in the full blown denial stage and believes that to trust the plan that Trump is still going to be president. Uh, so let's play both of those. For those of you who are worried about Joe Biden being your president, do not fear. He is not and will not. Um, Trump went golfing today. He went golfing yesterday. He's not worried. And have you ever known Trump not to fight back? Um, This will not stand. Trust the plan. Where we go one, we go all. I think we need to have a little party before Inauguration Day and uh, get a few million people around the White House just to, you know, Make sure they don't force some fucking pedophile in. 
So I said Q was dead or disappeared. But that technically might not be correct because after we got a bunch of sloppy scattershot promises from all these Trump surrogates to launch lawsuits and these different examples of voter fraud, we got a video by someone I believe to have actually been involved in QAnon. Someone who could potentially be the real Q. A guy that you might be familiar with for my QAnon two-parter episode. His name is Steve Pachenik. And Steve Pachenik put out a viral video in the form of an InfoWars interview he did with Owen Scheuer of InfoWars on the InfoWars Late Show where Steve Pachenik lays out a theory claiming that secret watermarked QR codes using some kind of radioactive isotope were put on all the legal slash real ballots and this operation was directed by William Barr and secretly printed by the Department of Homeland Security. These radioactive isotope blockchain QR codes that use some kind of quantum blockchain, he claims, that are watermarked with some kind of radioactive isotope will reveal the real versus fake ballots, the legal versus illegal votes, in what was a basically giant sting operation to overturn the election, and to catch the deep state and the Dems red-handed in stealing the election. After this little segment ran on InfoWars, it went fully viral in conservative media world, where even the MyPillow guy, Dumbfuck, tweeted it out. So the question is, did Q, Q the Q poster on 8kun, 8chan, get tired of the postings themselves and, and instead decide to launder an election fraud narrative directly through conservative media? Yes, I think that is exactly what happened. The Wayfair thing might have been a little test run to see how well you can run a little conspiracy outside of the QAnon posting mechanism. This seems to be the similar thing, where Steve Pachenik went out there knew this video would go viral, the mechanisms were already in place to make it go viral, and essentially the video is basically saying that this was all a giant sting operation that Trump lost as a sting operation to catch the deep state Dems red-handed stealing the election. It's basically the ultimate form of hopamine. This is really a sting operation. Contrary to what everybody else said, Trump knew this was happening. Eric knew this was happening and warned the public. I knew this was happening. However, I could not say anything about it. What happened was we marked, watermarked every ballot with what's called the QFS blockchain encryption code. In other words, we know pretty well where every ballot is, where it went, and who has it. So this is not a stolen election. On the contrary, we reversed the entire game of war along the lines of Sun Tzu, the art of war. 
and Trump was brilliant and still is brilliant at it. The reason he hasn't been seen, and Alex correctly said, oh, I haven't seen him in several days. Well, in the art of the war, you pull back, allow your enemy to make all the mistakes that they are making, manipulate the situation, expose them, and then come in for the final killing. And that's what's happening now. None of this was unexpected. All of this was expected. All of this is part of the sting operation we're running. This is really giving Trump supporters a lot of faith and hope that Trump really did secretly win this and this is all just some big 40 chess move. Now, the conspiracy theory was so ridiculous that even David Knight of InfoWars had enough of it and actually came out swinging on his show the next day saying that Steve Pachenik was a CIA plant who was, quote, trying to trap us. So what Knight was essentially saying is that InfoWars' main intelligence insider source for the last decade and a half believes, for the last decade and a half, David Knight believes he is a CIA plant. So this is actually a really big deal to have an InfoWars employee coming out against their main intelligence insider source, Steve Pachenik. I'll play a clip of David Knight saying this about Steve Pachenik. question is this. Is this a sophisticated sting operation? Frankly, I don't think so. I mean, that's what Steve Pachenik said, and I've seen this put out on some Q sites and other places. I have to ask the question, is, um, you know, if this is, is this fraud? I think it obviously is fraud. Did everybody know that there would be fraud? Of course they did. President Trump knew there would be fraud. So was this a sting? Uh, as uh, Pachenik was talking about this, he talked about a particular agency, CISA. But instead, we're supposed to believe there's some kind of Machiavellian secret plan that we should just trust while the U.S. burns in chaos. Maybe that is ultimately the plan. Look, I didn't jump into Pizzagate. I don't allow Pachinik to come on this show because last time he came on this show was right after the shooting in Vegas. He came on this show to sell the lie that nobody died in Vegas because he's trying to trap me. This guy is a CIA shill, and he comes on to trap us. That's one of the ways that they discredit you. And then simultaneously with this, you have this other elaborate conspiracy being deployed about voter fraud called Hammer and Scorecard, which implies that the NSA has some kind of back end to hack or change vote counts and that the implication is the deep state used this technique to flip the election of Biden. Sorry, correct that. Not just the NSA, that this is what the CIA also has to evoke color revolutions and regime change in other countries. This is a variation of the color revolution coup against Trump theory, kind of. The players deploying this conspiracy theory currently are Steve Bannon, George Papadopoulos, Bernard Carrick, someone who was involved in the 9-11 crime scene cover-up, Kirk Wiebe, which is a strange one. He's an NSA whistleblower who actually appeared on Abby's Breaking the Set. Lou Dobbs' show was one of the only Fox News shows to entertain the hammer and scorecard theory so far. They brought on Michael Flynn's QAnon lawyer, Sidney Powell. She mentioned it during his show. Then Fox and Friends repeated the hammer and scorecard conspiracy theory this morning. 
There's a software called Hammer and Scorecard used to flip votes from Trump to Biden. Is that indeed true? Don't you think if you're the president of the United States, you'd like to find out? And also, there's uh, at least three or four lawsuits that uh, Rudy Giuliani is going to be filing in a lot of those battleground states. Now, just to give you an example of why I think this is actually important to mention is because this is going beyond Q. For some reason, Q isn't posting, but someone that I've long theorized to actually have been behind QAnon is deploying a huge conspiracy theory that is giving Trump supporters all this hopamine that Trump actually won the election. Now, just to prove my point, I was perusing Facebook the other day. Um, Jason Burmes posted a video segment, and in the comments for his video segment, here was a guy saying that this is all set up. He starts his post by saying, it's because he knows the Dems are caught. Can't stop that QFS watermark. Just have to watch it all play out. The outcome is already determined. This guy actually looks like he's an active duty soldier, keep in mind, on Facebook that I saw this comment on. So he continues in his next comment. Yes. Or he actually responds to someone saying, oh yeah, how did, all, how did the lock Hillary up thing go? And he says, yes, the locking up will be all after this. The courts were already prepared for these challenges to the process. So even if any of these swing states, judges try to shut down anything that Trump, that Trump team challenges, it goes up to the circuit courts and immediately to the SCOTUS. These courts are already stacked with constitutional judges. The QFS watermarks are the trap for the fraudsters, and they walked right into it. The watermarks use blockchain tech, like Bitcoin, so that they can't be spoofed, hacked, or counterfeited. So ultimately, when the audits and recounts occur, all of the fraud and the perpetrators, we tr we're talking thousands of people, will be busted. I know it's hard to be patient, and we've all been crying out for justice for so long. But all we've been waiting for is coming very soon. So it doesn't matter that Q hasn't posted. doesn't matter that Steve Pachenik hasn't been proven or unmasked as someone behind the Q narrative. I don't know if he's actually the one posting it, but I've long believed Steve Pachenik is the origin or one of the origins of the Q narrative. Even if we can't prove any of that stuff, this shows you just by, based on what I've just read to you, these are people basically repeating things that sound exactly like QAnon. Trust the plan. This is all a giant setup. Trump already won the election. This is, this is not really happening. What you're seeing is not really happening. So this is a, almost a literal version of as much alternate reality as you can get. So sadly, that's where Q is right now. And what I find fascinating is that maybe David Knight of Infowars.com, one of the most well-respected Infowars guys on there besides Alex Jones, maybe he's finally had enough of all this QAnon garbage and he realizes that he's been part of an operation, Infowars, that's been essentially pushing a limited hangout CIA plants disinfo narratives for the last 15 to 20 years. So David Knight, I recommend you jump ship. Infowars is a sinking ship. Alex Jones totally fucking tanked his brand by licking the boots of a president of the United States who's essentially a fucking neocon. And guess what, Alex, in the Infowars audience? That makes you neocons by proxy. Over and out. And speaking of neocons by proxy, 
We also have another little interesting thing happening in the form of pro-Trump neocon think tanks saying that Trump was going to be ousted via color revolution, playing into sort of that hammer scorecard theory. The Claremont Institute and the Hudson Institute employees and associates are blasting out a narrative mere days before the election, which actually made it on Tucker Carlson, saying that if Trump loses, it was because he was ousted via a color revolution that is foreign-sponsored, which also involves BLM and Antifa, and is being sponsored by the CCP and other foreign entities like George Soros. Now, what's fascinating about this is the Hudson Institute obviously has little weird tentacles creeping into the anti-war scene via Cigar and Jetty from Rising. Cigar and Jetty is a Hudson Institute fellow. Hudson Institute employs Scooter Libby for a $300,000 a year salary for him to jerk his dick over at the Hudson Institute. The Claremont Institute, on the other hand, is a little more trying to be, I guess, a little more paleocon. In fact, Claremont Institute has a little front media outlet called American Greatness, which actually employs a, a co-host of a podcast that some people talk about on Twitter sometimes. It's kind of interesting. employs a guy named Oliver Bateman, uh, who does host a podcast um, that's sort of one of these post-lefties. Uh, and American Greatness is a Claremont Institute front operation. Well, let me tell you what the Claremont Institute is really quickly. One of its top staffers of the Claremont Institute is none other than William Bennett, who also sits on the board of the Committee for the Present Danger, who is a project for the New American Century signatory. William Bennett was the drug czar under George H.W. Bush Sr. He was also the Secretary of Education under Ronald Reagan. And this motherfucker actually said that he wanted to behead drug dealers as punishment for dealing drugs. Um, He's one of these hypocritical pieces of shit who actually has a compulsive gambling addiction as well. So just wanted to mention that really quickly is that for some reason now these neocon adjacent think tanks are dipping into zero hedgy, infowarsy rhetoric about color revolution, deep state coups against Trump. One of the people pushing it is apparently a former Trump speechwriter named Darren Beatty. Now back to Abby and I, where we give our final closing thoughts. I'm relieved, and I kind of took a day to just take a step back and be grateful for the fact that we've gotten rid of the cancerous tumor that is Donald Trump. But I spent no time, and I wasted no time, realizing our enemy, what we now have to fight against. And that's what we knew was coming for a long time. It, it's not just Joe Biden and it's not just Kamala Harris. It's the entire ideology of neoliberalism. And it's the entire ideology of of capitalism, of imperialism, of what Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will represent. We can only go through so many iterations of this, right, um, before it collapses in on itself. And um, we only have a few years to stave off, to have this uh, advantageous terrain for the battle and for the fight that we need to be organizing in the streets because that's really why it was necessary to get rid of Trump. It was a better terrain to fight against someone like Biden and Kamala Harris. 
Um, and it's just up to us now to organize within our communities, get involved locally and start building up these movements because we know the deportations will continue. We know the wars won't skip a beat. Uh, I have not heard Biden talk about repealing any of the grotesque militarism that Trump increased around the world, the sanctions. I have not heard Biden talk about that <laughs> at all. The economic no. war that is crushing so many countries. We know that he's going to immediately try to overthrow Nicolas Maduro. The only thing that Biden will do that will differ in the foreign policy realm is the Iran deal, which we already talked about, could possibly be too late because of how much Trump and his economic war strengthened the right wing in Iran and made them not trust the U.S. leadership. I can't say I blame them. And the climate accords, right? The Paris climate accords, which we know is not even remotely enough to stave off the worst effects of climate change, which we're already seeing wreak havoc in California and elsewhere. So, Yes, um, we can take a breath for one minute, but we need to get back in the fucking streets and fight because Joe Biden is our enemy. Because Joe Biden is horrible for every single person in this country and every person around the world who will continue to be subjugated by U.S. imperialism and U.S. empire. Come on, man. This is a little, <laughs> a little too harsh. No on, more malarkey. On, on, on Sleepy Joe. Um, <laughs> it's a... Uh, yeah, I mean, I obviously fully agree with you, um, and uh, I don't. I definitely don't have as much to say to sign off. Um, but you know, I think that Biden will definitely probably get us back into some terrible economic situations, like maybe even get back into the TPP. He will actually reverse some of the only good things uh, that Trump maybe was a part of. Um, you know, and you know, the Iran deal, um, Soleimani. Uh, is going to play a big factor in that too. They're not going to want to trust us after a blatant assassination of one of their top military generals. So, uh, even if Biden wanted to reverse the Iran deal, I don't know if it's gonna, if it's in the cards. So, I'm not hopeful, really, in any a from for any aspect of the Biden administration, except for a change in the rhetoric that's been out there politically, a realignment of the left to fight neoliberalism to fight the ruling class again, to stop pretending like Trump was some sort of person who was outside of the ruling class mechanism, to actually remember what the real deep state is that we need to fight. But I think looking back at the Trump presidency, Abby, I think we're lucky in a way that Trump's original campaign team, that sort of trifecta of Steve Bannon, Michael Flynn, and Trump, um, didn't stay intact during his administration. And you know, those White House mm -hmm. pictures of the three of them in the White House together, those were really intense. That was a really intense time to think, oh, my God, Steve Bannon's in the White House whispering in Trump's ear every right. day. Right. This crazy general who's acting like he's fighting the deep state. Who is this psychopath? Why was why did he go on to RT or like that RT dinner? Mm -hmm. Just shit mm -hmm. was really weird and intense. The fact that Alex Jones was going to have. Um, Jerome Corsi in the press corps. I mean, weird things did happen. Cernovich got in there at some point and yelled mm -hmm. about Antifa. But we learned over time that Trump just seemed to have zero attention span or imagination, and he could not stop rotating through people. So for me, the fear, I guess, dissipated in terms of Trump's side. I got increasingly scared of QAnon. 
I obviously Bolton being appointed at that point was very, very scary from a foreign policy perspective. But in Trump, but in terms of Trump unleashing what people feared of him becoming a full authoritarian type of Hitler type character, I think without Bannon by his side, uh, with Trump's sort of scatterbrained approach with his inability to focus and follow through on things, I think Trump really lost that fire um, that he had coming into office and that would have actually enabled something like a sort of a more competent Hitler version of Trump. And luckily, we didn't get that to that extent. We got a lot of talk. We got a lot of rhetoric. We got a lot of maneuvering in that direction. We got a lot of terrible federal judge appointments in the Supreme Court and all these different areas. But we did not get that sort of Hitlerization of the country. You know, but right. we do have all these crazy MAGA, you know, not just Proud Boys. I, I'm more scared of the just the regular Trump supporters with guns and bulletproof vests. Like we have thousands of those people out there now. So where are they going to go? So I guess we'll see. But I'm I'm breathing a sigh of relief for that reason because I feel like it could, this could have been much worse than You're it was. You're totally right. If there was some coherent ideology that Trump grasped, we could see a lot more dangerous things unfolding. And luckily, they didn't. I, I'm just grateful looking back at the last four years. It's been a wild ride. I'm so grateful I never bought into one iota of his con artistry that we focused on his foreign policy, on debunking all of his rhetoric, and we didn't get trapped into this weird, like, anti-anti-Trump shit, like anti-democratic kind of paving the way to apologizing for Trump, um, like a lot of people in the alternative media circles did. Um, a lot of the masks were completely lifted and removed, and it's very embarrassing, actually, looking back at how many people who claim to be against the U.S. government, who claim to be adversarial journalists, literally became lapdogs, essentially, for Trump and yeah. laundering, uncritically laundering his rhetoric and yeah. obvious con artistry. And like you said, we're not going to see that moving forward. So a part of me is relieved that... You know, the corporate media will just go back to being sycophantic and um, and just we won't be able to see these terms like fake news and anti-deep state shit like be weaponized for partisan gains anymore. We'll be able to hopefully educate people that, yes, the corporate media is a problem across the board, but we sh also shouldn't uncritically believe the claims of like a political party and a political leader. Um, and we'll all focus on the common enemy again. Right. So all these people who became Trump lapdogs will now focus again seamlessly on neoliberals and Joe Biden, as will we, you know, and for all the people we lost support from over the last four years, I'm sorry, but we're not partisan hacks and we call it like we see it. And I have no regrets. And I guess that's in part what I learned over the last couple of years is like how fragile people are, you know, how easily manipulated and gullible people are and. It's just kind of a sad commentary on our society. Yeah, and I don't have any sympathy at all. I have a lot of resentment and hatred for the people who are in this media scene who did that. I think that they were really irresponsible at the very least, and I think some of them knew exactly what they were doing um, and did a really, really terrible thing. But I do feel sympathy for and empathy for people who maybe were just getting engaged with politics, who saw how crazy the media has acted the last four years towards Trump, who saw Russiagate, who saw a lot of the hyperbolic things and maybe didn't really have necessarily that much ground underneath of him 
of them and got conned by the Trump rhetoric and just the rhetoric of the movement. I mean, some of it mm -hmm. was enticing. You know, I could see being in my late teens if I was just getting into politics and I thought that Trump, you know, was swinging, taking swings at the deep state. I could see watching Tucker and thinking that it was some kind of like truth telling, you know, a thing that was anti-establishment. So I think that I want to just try to speak to those people for a second and say that, like, I understand how you got into that mindset. But I think you will realize that basically you got conned. And right now it should be obvious that this guy who you thought was strong, who you thought was fighting for you, is really not that committed to being the president of the United States. If he really believed there was voter fraud and he really was in there for, you know, if he really cared about politics even, there's so many angles of this. I guarantee you're going to see him disappear, almost like George W. Bush, except he'll just be like on TV or a reality show or something. Um, and I just, I feel for you. I want you to, you're welcomed into the Media Roots audience. And, you know, just try to understand that, like, we go against, like, all these politicians. We go against the actual deep state. Trump, uh, you know, projected a, a distorted version of the deep state to make you believe that everything he did was against it. It was basically just an illusion. I mean, there's so many dirty, crazy deep state players on his own side of this equation that none of the people in his media side will ever tell you about. That's why I think you should listen to Media Roots. If you're new to this and you're, you're coming off the Trump vibes, Trump fumes, just remember that I don't think people necessarily hate you for being a Trump voter. I think people just hated, for the most part, what Trump did to this culture. And I hate, you know, what Trump did in terms of like the conspiracy movement and alternative media. And like, I can't even read websites like Zero Hedge anymore. I think that in general, try to seek out information that is critical of both sides and just try not to get in too much of a partisan cycle because essentially in a lot of ways, that's what Trump's movement became. And even Q towards the end became partisan and just all about electoral politics. But we just did our 10th anniversary episode of Media Roots Radio. Abby and I have been doing this for 10 fucking years. It's incredible. I'm super proud of what we've done. Couldn't have done it with anyone more amazing than Abby. And the reason I'm talking about her in the third person is because she's already signed off to go feed her cats and take care of her baby. But um, Abby, if you're listening, love you. And uh, we'll have to be doing live streams like we did uh, more often because it was our first video live stream. It worked great. Uh, we're going to have to figure out a way to do that. We're going to try to do it every month at least. So thank you again, everybody, for listening to Media Roots Radio. This month, we are putting out another bonus episode, The Masonic History of the United States, Part 4. It's going to be around four and a half hours long. The episode will come out in late November, and you can access that episode by becoming a Patreon subscriber of ours at patreon.com slash radio. And by becoming a Patreon subscriber of ours for as little as $5 a month, you get instant access to all of our bonus episodes. We put out one bonus episode per month. Currently, we're doing a Freemasonic History of the United States series, which you can access the previous three parts of that podcast series instantly when you become a subscriber. 
So thanks again for listening, everybody. Take care, and see you again soon.